0: Welcome back into another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Interview Series. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor in chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and it's a pleasure to be joined once again, as we did in the preseason, with Nick Ferguson, played in the NFL for a number of years, 2003 to 2007, with the Denver Broncos. Now is a co-host of Nick and Cecil in Denver, 104.3 The Fan. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I had mentioned before we started, we weren't too sure if this game would be relevant for the Denver Broncos. And my God, why were we thinking that? Because this game (laughs) is so relevant that the NFL decided to make it a primetime game two weeks ago. So here we have the Chiefs and the Broncos on Sunday Night Football.
1: Well, does this make the NFL and the executives who came up with this flex option and to move Kansas City and the Broncos to Sunday Night Football Does it make them fortune tellers as far as being able to foresee the future? Because no one really thought that this was going to happen here in Broncos country. Maybe in Kansas City, you guys felt that way because the team was starting out a little at the beginning of the season. They were having their issues, but there was kind of still belief that they were right in the ship. And here in Denver, I mean, I had faith because I'm a very optimistic person by nature, but there are many of my uh, co-hosts. And many fans here in Broncos country who didn't feel as though this would actually come to fruition. But we are here. This is kind of uh, the right for sole possession of first place. And who would have believed that we would be on this doorstep?
0: Yeah, this is exactly what you want, I think, if you're an NFL fan. I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans and Broncos fans that would say, no, we want the, the rest of the division to stink but to be in the division where every team is above 500 and to have this ability to, for the Chiefs to put an exclamation point on it and for the Broncos to thwart, put themselves into first place with the win on Sunday night, that's why this game was flexed. And the Broncos, I think, even confirmed that they belong in this game with a win over the Los Angeles Chargers last week. Did that win surprise you? What did the Broncos show you in that win?
1: No, the, the, that win didn't surprise me. Uh... I am of one other person, of two people on my station who actually gave the Broncos an opportunity to win that game. And and I understand why, because the team played well against the Cowboys, came back the following week, didn't do well against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's like, well, do I really believe this team or not? And here's why I had faith. Uh, I said, well, the team is coming off a bye. So the coaches have an opportunity to – fine-tune everything that went wrong leading up to this point, which brings up a very interesting point about Kansas City and their record, Andy Reid's record, coming off a bye. And there's a lot of success there. And usually when you're coming off a bye, Pete, now you're coming up with extra sprinkles. Like We we always talk about wrinkles, but I like to call them sprinkles because no one likes wrinkles, right? When we look (laughs) at Kansas City, they're going to come up with some extra sprinkles that we didn't see from a defensive standpoint here in Denver – you know, for a while. And they're going to take some of the things that they've done before and they were not great at during the season. They're going to make sure that they're great, especially crossing the 45 in the red zone. They're going to make sure that they're better. So this is why, you know, this game for me, it is going to be telling for so many reasons because here in Denver, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, more importantly, Pat Shermer's lack of creativity offensively and Vic Fangio's defense being a defensive guru. Will they be able to put an effective game plan together to, one, be able to run the ball and pass the ball on on, on Spag's defense? But also, will they be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes? Because now we're rolling into like a eight, 11 tries, I believe, that the Broncos have faced yeah. Kansas City, and they haven't defeated them. So there's a lot of lying on the line here, and it goes far beyond bragging rights.
0: Chiefs head coach Andy Reid is near perfect after the bye on his 20-year career. He was asked that uh, about that quite a bit this week and wouldn't really go into the details. But the one thing that they said that they're able to do is self-scout. And that was a good point by you and a good pick by you because the Broncos were able to self-scout and maybe clean some things up out of the bye week. Now Kansas City has an opportunity to, as you said, and I like that sprinkle in some new offensive plays some new defensive looks heading into this all-important division game and I want to get to that other point you mentioned because it's been a topic of conversation here in Kansas City and that is this 11 game winning streak and I think it makes Chiefs fans really happy because for years and years as you know well Nick Peyton Manning was dominating the Chiefs (laughs) there was this reversal And now it's been 11 times in a row since 2015 where the Broncos haven't been able to do it. And so my question to you is, what's the environment when it comes to Denver right now, when it comes to fans talking about this, when it comes to the Broncos talking about this? How aware is both the city and team of this streak?
1: Well, let's start with the fans. Uh, the The fans are split pretty much down the middle. There are some fans that are saying, listen, no matter what's going on with the season, you should root for your team no matter what. Their, their other side of the fan base, they said, Well, we really don't know what type of team we have. You, you don't go out and you you start a season three and oh, you lose four in a row, you defeat the Cowboys, I mean, in a very embarrassing fashion, right? And then yeah. you lose the following week to Philadelphia, only to come back and bounce back after the bye and beat San Diego. So it's like, Well, we don't know who do we have. What What is this team made of? And then those st- fans are still on that side of the fence. They're like, Nope we know how this movie ends, right? (laughs) We don't don't need the director's cut because we already know and the team is going to fall apart. So there's a bunch of Broncos fans who are already saying Kansas City is going to win the game on Sunday. So my approach, and this is the approach, I believe, of the team, they're saying, look, we've already proven to this league what we're capable of when we put a full game together. That's running the ball, being efficient, passing the ball, not turning the ball over, forcing turnovers. Because when we look at the game uh, last week against the Chargers, you have Justin Herbert, who's a dynamic quarterback. I really love this kid. I wish the Broncos would have selected him. But they were able to kind of keep him corralled and force him into mistakes. And Patrick Sertan, as a young rookie, that's two interceptions and one is a pick six. So now you are thriving off of old school football, if you will, playing great defense, and running the ball. And Vic is preaching to his team all week long, if we do these things, we can run the ball and play keep away and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And then now when we get on the field defensively, now we can kind of impose our will based on our personnel. And this is, in my opinion, the best opportunity the Broncos have had in 11 tries, not based on the coaching staff, based on personnel alone.
0: Yeah, a quick point about the fan base, and then I'll I'll have my next question for you. I have been doing this for too long now. If the Broncos are able to pull this off on Sunday night, it'll be a 100% (laughs) buy-in from the Denver fan base. You're not going to have a fan who will be uninterested about the Broncos any longer. We talked about Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater the last time we were talking because we were doing season previews. At the time that we spoke, we weren't sure who was going to get this job. Clearly, it's Teddy Bridgewater's job. I know he's been dealing with some injuries. But what has, in your eyes, been the organizational and fan buy-in into Bridgewater? How much do they actually believe in him right now?
1: Well, once again, this is a house uh, divided. There's Mm -hmm. some individuals who love Teddy Bridgewater. They understand that he is not the long-term future. When I say long-term future, he's not not in our five-year plan. He's in a two-year plan. And there are those who love Drew Locke because he was drafted by John Elway, even though it was in the second round. It is kind of an extension of who John Elway is as a quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback that is, and the GM. So they wanted Drew Locke to be the guy. But what I try to tell them is like, don't don't take my word for it. Look at what the Broncos are doing. I mean, several times this season, once against Pittsburgh, another against Cleveland, and then again against uh, the Chargers on Sunday. The Broncos marched out Teddy Bridgewater, who wasn't 100%. Here's a guy who might have been 50 or 60%, but they're telling you a guy at 60% or 50% is better than Drew Locke at 100%. So they're already telling you how they feel about Drew Locke and then knowing Drew Locke had an opportunity. He went in when Teddy was injured at halftime, came out, and then he threw an interception. So, so, So now it's like you had your opportunity and you wasted him twice so as a coach and knowing that my job is in jeopardy, and this is where both Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio find themselves, Teddy is the safe pick. No one wants to do safe, yeah. right? But if you're trying to save and preserve your job, safe is not a bad thing. Case in point, a couple of years ago when Patrick Mahomes was drafted, there was a guy who was on the center in Kansas yeah. City by the name of Alex Smith. And right. everyone said, well, this is a game manager. We can't win a Super Bowl with a game manager. But what did he do with, with uh, Patrick Mahomes behind him? He put up some amazing numbers, even yeah. knowing that the organization was going to switch from him and go to Patrick Mahomes. So that's where we are in Broncos country.
0: I feel that's a, a great point because I, I think Alex Smith and Teddy Bridgewater are a lot alike in that sense where they're not really going to lose you the game, but they're not going to get you a ton of wins necessarily that you wouldn't have otherwise had where you have a guy like Mahomes and, and before Locke was replaced, I thought he had some dynamic moments. Now, it was a little bit inconsistent and, and that's what I, I think was probably mind blowing for, for fans is like how, do, how can we wrap our head around really going with this guy if he's costing us this many games.
1: Well, yeah. Consistency is big at every position, but more importantly right. at the quarterback position, because over the past couple of years, we have elevated the quarterback position to a certain standard and mm-hmm. we expect that certain level of play. And I'm going to blame Kansas city, Andy Reid, and Patrick <laughs> Mahomes for creating half of this chaos that we have because watching your offense orchestrate every fan base, not just Denver, they want that type of quarterback. They want several right. shots down the field. And I'm trying to tell them as a former player and a defensive coach in this league, that doesn't happen that frequently. Most importantly, mm-hmm. you have to have the play calling and the confidence from a guy like Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid to, to actually call those plays. Then you have to have guys who can execute. Not every team has that. I mean, Tom Brady, great quarterback. I mean, he doesn't have a great arm. But if you need a certain throw, he's able to make that throw. And even Tom Brady, in his greatness, he's not pushing the ball down the field 12 times a game, 40-plus yards. That's not how this works. But it it is the Kansas City Chiefs that I'm going to blame for just kind (laughs) kind of filtering over to the league and making everyone think that this is possible with every quarterback, but it's not.
0: Right, right. There's only a handful of these guys yes. in the world that could do it. That, that, that's a great point. I, I want to continue with the Denver Broncos, and I want to ask you about the NFL draft, because it kind of has to do a little bit with this. Patrick Sertan looks like the real deal, right? I, I know right. that there's a report out there that he's going to be the Kelsey, I guess, um, <laughs> Kelsey killer. Is the Kelsey killer, the corraler, if you will, right? Uh, We'll see if that happens on Sunday, but here you have now you you go and look back at the NFL draft and you're, you're seeing Justin Fields sitting there. Oddly enough, you're kind of seeing Mac Jones sitting there right now. What's the pulse in Denver on Sertan versus maybe going after one of these two guys that were still there.
1: Well, everyone is pretty much quarterback thirsty here because after Mm. Peyton Manning, we've been searching for that next guy. So everyone looks like earlier in the season, it was like, Well, we could have went out and grabbed Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And I said, well, George Payton had a different game plan from one John Elway. See, John Elway is a former quarterback. So Mm. his issue was he continued to go into every draft trying to find John Elway. That's virtually impossible. Like if any other team decides, well, we like what Patrick Mahomes is doing in Kansas City. Let's go find Patrick Mahomes. The problem with that, Pete, is there's only one Patrick Mahomes you can find right. a version of but you're not going to find the same guy so when we look at the success of Mac Jones I just had this conversation with a bunch of fans you know last night they were like well the Broncos like everyone else in the league they allowed the Patriots to get Mac Jones I say no Mac Jones fell to the Patriots mm-hmm. because every other team picking felt as though there was another need other than quarterback and right. there's always going to be that comparison just like RG3 to Andrew Luck, uh, when you look at Peyton Manning, right, and Ryan Leaf, there's always going to be that comparison. But for me, you need defensive players. Now, the idea is that, hey, you could go out and get another corner. Like Michael Parsons was was another player that I I was hoping that the Broncos uh, select, but he's in a running for defensive rookie of the year as well. He looks like
0: he should have been the number one pick at this point.
1: Exactly, but Right, great defense neutralizes offense, and we can always second guess ourselves with hindsight being twenty twenty. But when right. you're on the clock, you got to look at your team, you got to look at uh, the teams in your conference. How do you keep pace with a team like Kansas City? You have to be able to create pressure with your front four, and you have to be able to hold up in the back end. A, a quarterback, a young quarterback coming in, yeah, that builds for the future. But when you're coming in as George Payton a team that's lost to Kansas city 11 times and you have your head coach who's on a hot seat, you're trying to win right now. We'll worry about the future later on, but if we don't handle right now, there's not going to be any future.
0: So you don't have time to develop a Trey Lance, for example, like you you don't,
1: you don't Because think about it. If you have Pat Shermer, they draft Trey Lance, or they draft Justin Fields. You have him for one year. The team doesn't do well because he's a rookie and you have other holes you need to plug. And now you're fired.
0: Right. That doesn't make any right. sense. So you got to buy yourself some time. Buy quickly, yourself. I want to get to some – sorry to cut you off. Not, I want to get to some um, of, of the key players that maybe Chiefs fans wouldn't know in this game, but we touched upon it. Do you believe that Sertan is going to be the Kelsey killer? Do you believe that this could be a key to the Broncos maybe defensively staying with the Chiefs and in that sense keeping it close and giving Teddy Bridgewater an opportunity in the fourth quarter?
1: Yeah, it, it starts there. In order for a Teddy to have an opportunity, it's about keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline mm-hmm. and more importantly, eliminating the explosive plays. Because for me, when I think explosive plays, I don't think Travis Kelsey. I think Tyreek Hill, right? right. So my idea, if I were the defensive coordinator, I wouldn't even put Sertan on Travis Kelsey unless I'm forced to do so. Because mm-hmm. what what has happened with the roster there's no longer Josie Jewel or Alexander Johnson. Those were the two former starting linebackers. They, they were your old-school throwback, you know, ISO-filling gap uh, type of linebackers. But when it came to pass coverage, they were not that great because they lacked the speed and athleticism. You have Baron Browning now, who's a young guy out of Ohio State, and he, does, he doesn't know that he's supposed to know that he's not supposed to be playing this well early in his career <laughs> no and one tell him right no, no one told him right right so he, he's just going out there playing lights out and then Kenny Young who they uh, picked up in the trade he's been a breath of fresh air because now those two working in tandem now they can actually feed off one another because of athleticism so my thing is let those guys play coverage first and then if need be then you can move Sertan inside but when you do that you still got to think about, well, what's Tyreek Hill doing outside? So now right. you put Fuller, Kyle Fuller, or Ronald Darby on you know, Tyreek Hill, and you always make sure that there's a presence over the top. Even if that guy's not going to stay there, you just make sure there's a presence to deter Patrick Mahomes from going that way and going somewhere else. Because for me as a defender, I'm not going to lose a lot of games if you're throwing a lot of checkdowns as a quarterback. All we have to do is rally and tackle. It is the explosive plays that we've seen Kansas city change the complexity of the NFL and why everyone's like, we need one of those types of guys. So once again, come full circle. I blame you guys for creating this (laughs) atmosphere that we have now in the game.
0: Let's say with defense and just a few more questions. I want an under-the-radar defensive Bronco to watch and under-the-radar offensive Bronco to watch, and then how you see this game playing out.
1: Well, under-the-radar is a guy who shouldn't be under-the-radar, but based on his lack of involvement in the offense, and that that guy is Cortland Sutton, right? Over the past couple of weeks, we have not seen Cortland Sutton uh, be targeted more than four times. And he. this is a game that he definitely needs to get involved because – Once again, we we look at height uh, advantages, if if you Mm -hmm. will. And when you look at the the DBs for Kansas City versus our receivers, to me, there's a distinctive height advantage. And you have to be able to take advantage of that. But now that's play calling, anticipation, and ball placement. Can we actually make that happen? Now, on the defensive side, it's another rookie, Jonathan Cooper. Uh, Cooper was drafted in the seventh round. And the only reason he slipped that far was because he had somewhat of a heart issue. But when you watch this young kid on tape, it's almost like a younger Frank Clark, if you will. He's always going to create pressure. Now, he may not get a sack, but he's going to force that quarterback to get the ball out of his hands with timing and rhythm. And maybe earlier than he wants to get the ball out of his hands. So Jonathan Cooper is definitely a guy that you want to pay attention to because when he's on the field, he, he knows, hey, I'm a seventh rounder. I have this heart issue. Every day I'm able to play this game. It's a blessing within itself. So I'm going to lay it all on the line.
0: Okay, so those are two players to watch, Sutton and Cooper. And then, Nick, to, to close us out here, how do you see this game playing out?
1: Well, I see this game being somewhat uh, more of a tighter game because you go back to the last outing when Drew Locke was a quarterback. The Broncos defense did a great job of stopping the Kansas City offense from getting, well, actually scoring inside the, the red zone, I think they uh, stopped them four times in a row. So there's right. a level of confidence that they can actually stop this team, and the idea that the defense personnel is so much better. So I think this game is going to be a, a closer game than most people are anticipating, and it's going to come down to a couple of things: which team turns the ball over, and more importantly, who has the ball in their hand in the closing moments of the game. It could be a touchdown to win the game, or it could be a team moving the ball down the field to get in a position to keep the game-winning field goal. So I, I got the game being tighter than most people have
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I I think it'll be a a close game in Kansas City. The the fact that it's nine and a half points to me, I I think is is crazy. I ultimately think the Chiefs will win, but to think that they'll cover a nine and a half point spread with the way the Broncos are playing and, and the way the offense has been up and down, I think is a little bit ambitious, if you would, but... Uh, Nick, thank you for all. Thank you for all your analysis uh, on this game. It should be a good one. You can catch Nick, He's Nick and Cecil on one hundred four point three, the Fan in Denver. Thanks again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.